0: John, right now, though, we shift gears a little bit. We- Shifting gears in radio. Yes. Yeah. We face Houston now, right? How about that? Yeah, there you go. You know, um, <clears throat> it's so much. everything to me is like a, a, a piece of timeline. You know, you look at your life and you look back and go, where was I at when this happened or mm-hmm. that happened? Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating to me on many levels that this iconic... An event called the Super Bowl really had very, very humble beginnings. You know, it it was an experiment in some some ways, and to think that 50 years have passed. So I was eight years old, and I remember watching bits and pieces of this game, but I can't believe I'm that old. Number one, and number two, I'm just amazed from an outsider of how the game has changed, how the money has changed. Utterly ridiculous, in my opinion. But you know, that's how it goes. So. I knew that um, I would be in here this week with you guys for a couple days, and, and I think of that, and the 50 years has passed now. This is Super Bowl 51 coming up, but because it's, it was 67 and now it's 2017, it's actually 50 years. But um, I was fascinated by that, and, and I thought, there's, there's, uh, i got to talk, I got to get Kramer on. Because Jerry Kramer and I go back about 25, 30 years now, which is still beyond my comprehension. And it's such a great, uh, I'll encapsulate the story how, we, how this all started. When I was a kid, uh, when his best-selling book, Instant Replay, came out. And we would always go on vacation to the Dreamland Motel on College Avenue, right off College Avenue on the Frontage Drive, nice. right in Appleton, Wisconsin, right? Right over by Big Boys and the whole deal. There was sure. no mall there. It was Farm Field. So <clears throat> my dad went out and bought a razor one day at Shopgo and he got a little bonus gift, and that gift was the paperback version of Instant Replay, the Green okay. Bay Diary of Jerry Kramer. And uh, he threw it in the garbage. Because he's a Bears fan. You don't read that stuff. (laughs) You think this is tough now? You don't read that stuff. Well, I grabbed it out of the garbage, fished it out, eight years old, and I read it all the way back to Chicago. My dad drove 50 miles an hour. took forever. So years later, I was working on a project with uh, Pro Athlete Insider Magazine, and we brought Jerry on as a uh, kind of a, a advisory board position, and I was so nervous to go meet him the first time at the Paper Valley Hotel at the, at the Willie Davis Roast. We've been friends ever since. We we do some projects together, uh, an event called Lessons from Lombardi. And I thought, if I'm going to be in TMJ, the 50th anniversary of the Super Bowl, you got to put Jerry Kramer on. So Jerry, welcome right. to the show.
1: Hey, thank you, Johnny.
0: Hey, buddy, how Thanks are you? Much. How's things I'm in doing? Boise?
1: I've got an advisor, uh, weather advisory for you guys. I just listened to yours. Yeah. I'm down in Austin, Texas, and it's 74 degrees. Stop it! Sitting on a patio, having a Corona, <laughs> and I'm really uh, in deep misery. I just yeah uh, having difficulty with it and I heard that 18 degrees is coming to Milwaukee, and I'm coming back up there just as soon as I can get there.
0: It's so interesting to me that every time you go to the Super Bowl, you get there earlier and earlier. One time you were there three weeks ahead of time. Well, that's why they call it the Super Bowl. There you go. There you go. But you go back to... You know, that very first game, and I remember obviously reading about it so many people that were there. We remember the Ice Bowl in 66, and we remember how everything rolls into the first Super Bowl, and little Coach Lombardi saying there's no way that hinky-dink league of the AFC is ever going to put us out of business. Uh, but how was what was the buildup like for you 50 years ago this week?
1: You, you know, Johnny, it really wasn't that big a deal. Uh, it was uh, a championship, and it meant uh, $15,000, and that was a big deal because it uh, doubled or half again our year's salary. So it was a very important thing. But we had won three championships, and this was actually our fourth championship. So, you know, it wasn't uh, like the first time. And uh, we didn't know who the Kansas City Chiefs were. There was a lot of um, conversation going back and forth between the leagues, and it wasn't all kind. And uh, they were downgrading one another and whatnot. We were... We were watching the films one night and uh we saw two of their safeties uh collide uh in the middle of a play and knock each other down. And uh my good friend Max McGee, ever present and ever quick with the wit, went
0: <laughs>
1: So we started giggling like we're watching Mary Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies, right? So uh, we just didn't know much about him. So Coach Lombardi was nervous. Coach was very nervous. Uh, Gifford did an interview with the coach, and, and we were talking about it later. And he said, Jerry, I was fine. You know, I was comfortable. We got through the network. It was kind of a big deal, but I'm fine Till I put my hand on Coach Lombardi's shoulder. And he's shaking like a leaf. <laughs> <laughs> now that makes me nervous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the coach had the Hallis, the Rooney, the Mara, the all the old NFL guards calling him and saying, hey, uh, it isn't enough to beat them. You have to humiliate them. We want, them, want you to trash them. We want you to just uh, bury them. So he had a lot of pressure on him. He, in turn, uh, put some of that on us, all of them. Fine of five thousand instead of five hundred, and certainly the the wonderful Max McGee spent a lot of time worrying about that. Um, we, of course, he snuck out about midnight or something. Oh
0: yeah, and at five <laughs> or
1: six in the morning, and uh, we were at a dinner in Green Bay uh, with John uh, Madden a long time ago, and we had a charity dinner, and somebody asked Max. If he had actually snuck out with some girl till 3 o'clock in the morning. And he said, that's baloney. That's just a phony, phony story. There's nothing to it. I was actually out with two girls till 6 o'clock in the
0: morning. <laughs> oh, man. Jerry Kramer joining us from Houston. They're getting ready for the, the, the Super Bowl down there. Go ahead, Eric. Well, I want to throw out the phone lines if anyone wants to weigh in on this, 414-799-1620 or on the Academic Mortgage toll-free talk line, 800-877-1620, if you have a question for Mr. Kramer. Jerry, we're going to take a quick break, but I want to ask you when you realized the Super Bowl was more than it was, when you realized you were really part of something that is historic. We'll do that next. Jerry, what was it like? When did you finally realize that the Super Bowl was bigger than the game itself?
1: Well, you know, actually, it was probably uh, it started in uh, the following year in Miami. We had a, a full house and a, a tremendous amount of press coverage, and it had grown exponentially in the year in between, and then uh, more and more so over the years. It just, you know, I I remember very vividly being at Super Bowl twenty-five with Commissioner uh, Rosell, and there was a 25-year anniversary team that I happened to be a part of, and uh, Pete was at the um, game with his longtime assistant, Bill Granholm, and uh, there was a lot of pageantry and display and things going on prior to the game, and Pete uh, reached over and poked Granny in the shoulder and said, this was, this was 25 now, and he says to Granny, uh, he said, you know, Granny, I remember going to Super Bowl eleven, and did you ever think it would get this big?
0: <laughs> the 11th <So> one. <laughs> Pete, yeah,
1: so Pete was kind of staggered by the size of it and the growth of it. And a, another good way of, of measuring it is, is the, the uh, NFL announced that there were so many press people at the first Super Bowl that they had to take a second bus. They actually had to have two buses to carry all the press, and I'm going to go down on Media Row on Thursday with about 1,500 Mm. press people from 144 countries. Literally there will be a billion and a half people listening to the game. Or have some impact on the game, so it's it's uh, it's surpassed everybody's expectations. Uh, I remember going to uh, well, I bought four tickets for Super Bowl one, and they were ten bucks a piece, and I bought them for my nephews. And of course, my nephews never showed, so um, I uh, give them to some kids at the gate. And uh, now, last uh, well, last time the pack was down there, at Super Bowl forty-five, was it down in Dallas?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I took about ten folks to the uh, Super Bowl game, and it cost fourteen thousand dollars.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, here's a here's a couple other things that uh, you, you pointed about the ticket price in nineteen sixty-seven. You got a deal on those tickets for ten bucks. The retail was twelve. <laughs> you know, so so the retail was twelve bucks, and today. The average Super Bowl ticket is a thousand dollars. You got to take out a short-term loan at the credit union to get a ticket to the Super Bowl. In 1967, the audience on television was 51 million. As Jerry, you point out, it's going to be 100, at least 112 million people watching this year. The average cost of a TV ad, which to me is this, is like the greatest indicator of all time. In 1967, 30-second ad cost you 37,500 bucks. The price of a car, and now you got to come in with at least $3.8 million. This was the best one. I wanted to, this obviously is right up your alley. The average size of an offensive lineman in 1967 in the game, 250. Your guys was 245 pounds. Kenny Bowman was the light, your guy Kenny Bowman was the lightest at 230, and Gail Gillingham was the heaviest at 255, and today, the average size of a lineman, 313 pounds. It's like Godzilla.
1: Independent. Somebody uh there's a lot, a lot of different ways to go there, but uh, we'll just leave it at that.
0: <laughs>
1: much, much bigger, and uh, they're wonderful athletes. So they have. Uh, I think um, Aaron is a classic example of the Packer offensive line being effective. He, he, uh, he has got great mobility and great movement and side movement and around and around. And we used to think you had to throw the ball in 3.5 seconds. or wow. You know, it was on the onus of the quarterback. Aaron goes 7, 8, 9, 10 seconds before he throws the ball, and that's just unheard of. That's just unbelievable. Right, and right. That offensive line has the opportunity to make three or four blocks on one Play. I, I, I hope that they're graded on the best block and not the whole series. Mm-hmm. But they'll they block a the guy at the line and uh, hang with him for a couple, three seconds. Then he gets away and then they turn around and get him again. And then Aaron comes by again. And, uh, so they're doing a wonderful job. And the game obviously is quite dramatic too. Sure. Um, but, but he- you know, we had the running game. In the Cleveland game, we gained 210 yards rushing. In the playoff game, in 65. Would to do that in the season
0: now? Right, right, right. You know, Jerry. The other thing too is just real quick. We're going to go to the phones. David's on the line, waiting patiently. Um, Kansas City, while maybe not known, wasn't a, there. Was a lot of great football players on the other side of that line from you, and a guy named Buck Buchanan was no easy uh, task.
1: And uh, you got- well, John, Johnny had put Bobby Bell, EJ Hollop, Johnny Robinson, Buck. Um, Man, hell of a football team, yeah. which we found out in the first half. Uh, we didn't really have any idea, but I'm telling you what, they sobered us up pretty quick in the first half, and uh, we came out of there and took care of business the second half. But you're absolutely right about that. They had some fine football players.
0: David is in Wabatosa. David, you're on WTMJ Today with Jerry Kramer. Thank you so much for taking my call, Mr. Kramer. And the reason I call you Mr. Kramer I know I could call you Jerry, but the reason I call you Mr. Kramer is because I have that much respect for you. Yeah. You certainly belong in the Hall of Fame. And what I, my question to you is, my very best tape that I have in my house, I must have watched 80 times. And it's the one that you did, it's entitled, With Love and Respect. Yeah. And I was just curious, have you ever considered, or has anybody ever considered doing another one like that?
1: Well you know right off the top of my mind there's not another dick chap around
0: you know that right
1: I know really a, a wonderful human being a wonderful person and great love and respect for him. Also our guys are pretty well scattered now and the ones that are left we've lost about half of them and that, that came from a uh, inscription that herb Adderley signed for fuzzy. Uh, Fuzzy wanted a picture of Herb to hang in one of his restaurants. And so Herb signed it with love and respect. And it was a uh, a beautiful feeling. It was an emotional thing that we had on that football team. Uh, it's hard to convey emotion and the depth of emotion that was a part of that organization. More like a family, more like a brother than a, than a player or a, a, a teammate there's just a closeness there, uh, a love, uh, fat boys can talk about love too, I love Henry Jordan, I love the, the fuzz, I uh, uh, love Herbie, Dr. Feelgood, Mr. Davis is my lifelong pal, he, I have a room out in uh, California in the Santa Monica area at Mr. Davis's house called the Kramer Suite. <laughs> so I get to see him, not enough, but quite often. and. It was a. Uh, maybe it's time to do another thing about that. I'll think about that
0: and report uh, back.
1: Report back, Jerry.
0: Can you hang on for a couple more minutes? We have got to do some business things on the uh, the backside of this. This is WTMJ today. Back more with Jerry Kramer right after this. Back out on WTMJ today. John St Augustine sitting in with you today and tomorrow, and Eric Bilstats uh, right across from me in the the uh, Captain Kirk chair, and I got my old buddy Jerry Kramer on uh, down in Houston. Jerry. You know, real quick, we only got about a minute and a half to, to wrap this up. And uh, one of the things I found most fascinating about our friendship over the years and the things that you do, it's one thing to be on stage and talk about the stuff, which we do for our Lessons from Lombardi event, but it's another thing off the air and in and, 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 you know behind the scenes to carry on, really, the legacy and lessons of Lombardi. And one of the things I know you're very passionate about are kids and, and how they you know grow up and all the stuff that goes along with that. And last year, you kind of divested yourself of almost all your memorabilia uh, and set up some educational things and stuff like that, which is fantastic. But you kept Super Bowl II ring in a minute. Why?
1: Yeah. In a minute, explain that, Johnny. Is, is that? The
0: yeah, I'll give you about forty. <laughs> you know, a minute and fifteen. You know, no pressure.
1: Yeah, take me through the next hour, will you?
0: <laughs>
1: well, the uh, first night of the camp that year in the '67 season. Coach Lombardi talked about the challenge that we faced and what we'd have to do to meet that challenge, how difficult it was going to be, how other teams were cocked and loaded and waiting for us. they have been studying our films for three years. we have been champions two consecutive years, and this was our third attempt at a three in a row. Right. This was our attempt at three in a row. And uh, so it, he set the bar immediately the first night. And it was a long and very difficult season. And people were cocked and loaded. And the worst team in the league is playing their heart out and coming after us. So it was week after week after week. We have a playoff game against the Ram team that was really a wonderful football team. Uh, Merlin Olsen, Deacon Jones, Pearson Porsum. We beat them 28-7. to 7. They'd beaten us three weeks before. So we start off the playoffs beautifully. Then we go to green bay for the ice bowl yep, and then coach lombardi's last game in miami at the super bowl right all of those things together make it my most memorable season and my most difficult season okay and i think because of the difficulty is why i love the ring so much and also because of the that final drive in the ice bowl johnny that was that wasn't just Jerry. That was Boyd, and that was Donnie, and that was right. Buck, and that was Gilly, and that was Ski, and Bobo, and every guy on that team made a special effort—something very, very special—to take that ball down the field that last drive and score with 13 seconds to go. And it's probably my proudest moments as a Packer player.
0: Hey, Jerry, that
1: final drive and the contribution that everybody on that team
0: made—obviously
1: yep. Bart and everybody. Everybody that was on the field. Uh, so that those memories are bright, and they're wonderful, and um, I cherish them. And whenever you want to talk about them, just call
0: me up. And you did all that in over a minute? Of course. Listen, listen. have a great trip <laughs> in Houston. I will talk to you soon. Uh, and, and you know, from everybody up here, I'm uh, glad to have you spend time with us today. You take care, pal.
1: Thank you, John.
0: All right. W, w, nice to be with you. There Enjoy you the
1: weather down there.
0: He's rubbing it in.